0: This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, We thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation.
1: Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. Hello, this is Gordon Smith, and I am interviewing today Father Andrew Morand, He is a brand-new priest, ordained about a month and a half ago. Welcome, Father. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you.
1: Well, welcome to the priesthood, and thank you for your vocation. Of course, this is called the Sons of Melchizedek. This is a priestly vocation show, and what we want to do is ferret out of Father Andrew what, what were the things in his life that made him want to go this direction. And so that's what we're going to be interviewing him about today. Father Andrew, you have successfully lowered the average <laughs> age at Our Lady of Grace even more. It was already a very young vocational parish, and now uh, you're a brand new priest, so welcome to the fold. Thank you. You have been uh, ordained a month and a half. You are ordained in Lafayette uh, by our bishop. So
2: what have you done in the last 45 days? Yeah, so I about a week after my... Ordination. I had my first wedding as a priest. A very joyful wedding. It was actually a friend from high school. It was kind of neat. She um, cantered my first mass. And then exactly one week later, I did her wedding. So it a very beautiful, very joyful time. And right after that wedding, I hopped over to Honduras for about ten days. Uh, during my time in seminary, I did uh, an immersion down in Honduras with a group called the Missioners of Christ. And so I always wanted to come back there when I was a when I was a priest and do some sacramental work for them. Yeah, it was it was a very very joyful time a very kind of romantic view of priesthood, hopping from village to village and saying mass and confessions in places where they hadn't had sacraments in quite a long time. And is that a Spanish-speaking area? It is, yes. And so did you uh, learn Spanish while you were down there, or are you a Spanish-speaking priest? So I, I had begun to learn Spanish in middle school and high school and sort of kept up with it during my time in seminary. Um, I did... So that immersion that I did in Honduras sort of polished everything, uh, made me more fluent. And, and a well-deserved
1: little return to the vacay after the ordination. So, and welcome to Our Lady of Grace here. This is a, a wonderful time that you can become a new priest. In fact, I'm going to ask you something right now, and I'll probably put you on the spot. A priest in their first year can do special blessings, and I'm not sure that these fit through the airwaves or not, oh, but we'll I'm going I'm to try anyway. So could you just give our listening
2: audience a special first-year priest blessing, please? Sure. By the imposition of my hands and through the intercession of St. John Vianney, may you be blessed by Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: That was great, Father. Thank you. God bless you for that. And God bless you for your vocation and choice in life. So let's go back a little bit to your early life. You are a parishioner, or were a parishioner growing up, uh, from St. Al's in Zionsville, Yep, that's right and went to—they uh, don't have a Catholic school there, so you went to public school? hmm w- At what age did you think you might want to entertain the priesthood?
2: Yeah, I was 13 when I first had a sense of the call. 13. I, th- I
1: think if I remember, that would put you not even in high school yet, maybe 8th grade. Yeah, I was—I
2: um, think I was going into 7th grade at the time. That's
1: very early. So, what was the seminal event? What What happened at that time in your life that that kind of gave you that nudge?
2: Yeah. So, in in middle school, my my parents had started um, taking us to more like retreats and summer camps and that sort of thing. So it was at, it was at the context. It was in the context of one of those summer camps. We were at a Catholic summer camp. Um, the uh, the priest who was saying mass at the time did the typical altar call kind of thing, just asked if there was anything in anyone in the congregation who thought they might have a call to priesthood or religious life to come forward, and they would offer prayers and resources and that sort of thing. Um, and I'd seen those kind of things before and not reacted much to them, but it was in those last couple of years going to more retreats and summer camps, and I, w- I was seeing more priests in different roles. Um, and so that, that had started to plant some seeds. I was seeing younger priests. You know, I was the priests growing up with were all older, so I kind of thought that you had to be older to be a priest. That sort of plant, planted the seeds of thinking like, okay, this is priests have to start somewhere. This is actually something that could be like realistically on my radar. So remember that particular moment, that particular mass, something just kind of stirred in me that wasn't there before, this desire that the Lord just put in my heart, where I thought that, you know, that's something that I could do and something I might want to do. So
1: now you've got my curiosity up, Catholic camp. What camp? What was the name of the camp? Yeah, so
2: this was, it's called Catholic Family Land. It's run by the Apostolate for Family Consecration out near Steubenville somewhere.
1: So that would have been Father Barrett? Uh, that was Father Barrett, yeah. And he had an influence on you. Mm-hmm. He's been there for many years. I, I met him many, many years ago, and that's a wonderful apostolate and influential in your life. So parents, if you just heard that, I'm going to say it again, Father Andrew's family went to Catholic family land, uh, which is a family place. It's a, a place where you can rent a cabin and spend a week or more there in the summers. And there are people from around here that have attended that camp. This is the fruit of that labor. Right, Father? Absolutely. Okay, so seventh, eighth grade, you thought maybe you might want to entertain the priesthood, but then you went to high school and probably... Subject to all different types of influences uh, at a public school in Scienceville, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. Did you hang out? Did you play sports? Did you hang out with the guys? Did you have uh, a girlfriend? Any of these
2: things? So um, I, I played some sports. I did cross country and track for a little bit. Um, I, I like distance running. Um, I didn't. I didn't. That I didn't really much enjoy competing when it came to distance running, so I didn't stick with that very long. But I kind of floated in and out of a, a couple different club things. I did uh, rock climbing for a little while. I did swing dancing for a little while. Um, I didn't have a girlfriend in high school. I, in my early teenage years, I sort of had a um, just like a teenage sweetheart. But um, but that call that I that I received when I was about thirteen, I, I ignored it for a couple years because um, I was. Being the wise, mature 13, 13 year old that I was, I had my life planned out. I'm like, no, no, Jesus, you must be wrong about that. I, sure I want to get married. Sure, Lord, can't be, can't be, not me. <laughs> but when I got into high school, um, I I did I did start taking discernment pretty seriously, which is why I never I never had a girlfriend in high school, because I knew that wouldn't really be fair to her, since seminary was kind of. Potentially the on the horizon Right But yeah my, my first year in high school I met the uh, It was the vocations director Of the Redemptorist Order At the time Father Father Tat Thang Hong And uh, Which is an interesting connection Since St. Alphonse's Parish My home parish Was founded by Redemptorist um, But he I don't remember what he said I met him at the National Catholic Youth Conference But he, he just kind of Encouraged me to take Discernment seriously And I thought Well I mean Yeah he's right I've received something here I gotta do something with it And and if not you, then who? I right. Mean, that, yeah. that is the ultimate question, right? So
1: you went through high school and graduated from uh, Zionsville High School, and that was, can I say, about 2015, right? Uh, yeah, that was when I graduated. And then you went directly to seminary? Yes. Uh, for college, and then on
2: for your seminary as well. Where did you go to seminary? So uh, first I went to... St. John Vianney Seminary in Minnesota. It's on the campus of the University of St. Thomas, St. Paul, Minnesota. And that you got your undergrad degree there? Yep, yeah, that's right. So it's a bachelor's in philosophy.
1: Okay. And then from there, where did you go? Or did you stay there for your actual seminar? Uh, for,
2: this, for the second half, I was at um, Mundelein Seminary in the Archdiocese of Chicago.
1: Okay. I th- kind of think that that, in my opinion, uh, I've heard that that is
2: a seminary for older vocations, isn't it? Mundelein, not necessarily. You might be thinking of, there's, there's, there's another seminary. I don't remember, I don't remember which one. That's not too far away from there. Maybe in Wisconsin, that's for older vocations.
1: Well, that certainly doesn't fit you for older
2: vocations. (laughs) Mundelein has a variety for sure. There was, there were some guys, um, who I who I went there with, not in my class, but there were guys who I went there with who were in their 50s or 60s, um, but generally the average age there was probably, I'd say, around 35. And an interesting fact about
1: Mundelein is that there's a chapel church, it's probably a shrine, that was put up a long time ago in the 20s, I think, when there was a Eucharistic revival yeah. in this country, and we are uh, about a year away now from a Eucharistic revival and celebration in Indianapolis. So That's right. It's a pretty important thing that's coming up next year, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited for it.
1: Speaking of sacraments, what is your favorite sacrament?
2: Oh gosh. <laughs> it's
1: only been 45 days. Come
2: on. Yeah. <laughs> so is this is this like fa- like what's been my favorite sacrament of all time or this favorite sacrament to do as a priest? As a priest. Okay. Um I mean, it's, it sounds pretty obvious, but it's, it's got to be celebrating Mass. I mean, everything else really does kind of revolve around that in the life of sure. a priest. But I mean, confessions would definitely be a close second. I mean, confessions are such a such a powerful and very tangible experience of grace.
1: And you've been able to, to uh, celebrate and officiate at a wedding already. So mm-hmm. that are there any sacraments you haven't uh, conferred yet?
2: Well, yeah, so I can't do holy orders, can't do that one. We I mean already, I can receive yeah. holy orders. You're I can't in, confer yeah. it um, You're in the club. I've not done any confirmations yet, um, and that would only be like an Easter vigil thing, kind of me. Sure. Kind of thing for me um, about anointing of the sick. I, I have done anointing of the sick. I've done a few of those. Okay,
1: that's great. Well, as we talk here, I want to find out about your growing up. You said you did some sports in high school and so forth. What are some of your other hobbies uh, that would have come out of your childhood?
2: Yeah, so um, I, I love reading. I, I, do, <laughs> I don't read as often as I would like, but I do enjoy it. I, and I, I like to do a lot of outdoor stuff. So I was, a, I was a Boy Scout as well when I was a kid. So a lot of camping, hiking, um, uh, just kind of making stuff with my hands. Sometimes my my COVID project was making a bow and arrow. So. And you know you have to have your quiver full, so <laughs> let's go for
1: that one. Uh, a Boy Scout? Did you go to summer camp? Did you go to Philmont or any of those places?
2: No, I never. I never made it out into the the big high adventure things like Philmont. Um, I would go to a summer camp each year. Uh, Ransburg down in southern Indiana. Um, sure. So several of our priests, the one up in Kokomo, was a um, counselor at uh, Randsburg. That's
1: right, Father Shockley. Yes, Father Shockley. Tell me what you feel is the most important task uh, you have being a priest.
2: Well, yeah, I, mean, I think just, uh, I mean, objectively, what, what I would consider the most important, uh, administering the sacraments, of course. It's the, the I mean, the thing that as, as a priest has been instructed, in, in, entrusted to me, the administering the mysteries, as the, uh, as the promise and the ordination rite says. And I always love that word. Of course, that's, uh, and somebody, somebody pointed out to me the other day that it's interesting that they, they use that word for the sacraments and the ordination rite because apparently that's the word that they use in, in the East. Eastern Catholics use the word mystery to describe sacraments.
1: Well, it's no mystery that we are happy that you are uh, taking up your calling seriously, and we're going to ask you more about that when we come back from this break. I'm Gordon Smith, and I'm interviewing Father Andrew Moran today. So the scan button brought you here. Awesome. We like
0: company. Get to know us. And if you have to leave, come back. You're always welcome. Catholic Radio Indy. When a business is looking to expand, they say it's all about location, location, location. But what about when the church needs to expand, to stretch out and reach those fallen away, estranged from the faith, or those who simply have never heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Then it's all about vocation, vocation, vocation. We need more people dedicated to the mission of serving the church, more priests, more deacons, More men and women of vowed service and more lay workers willing to go into the fields. The harvest is rich, but the workers are few. Is God calling you to service? Pray on it. And while you're there, pray for more vocations. A simple request from your friends at Catholic Radio Indy. Whether things really are crazier than ever, or we just have more ways to hear about it all, it can be a little overwhelming at times. When that happens, remember the Apostle Paul's words from Holy Scripture. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for being a Catholic Radio Indy listener.
1: I'm going to continue interviewing Father Andrew Morand from Our Lady of Grace in the Lafayette Diocese. Uh, Father Andrew, uh, you spent a little time in Marion as a seminarian, as right. a uh,
2: deacon. Uh,
1: that deacon. Uh, that, was,
2: that was before my deacon summer. Deacon okay. summer was in Peru in Logansport. Okay. So what year was this? This would have been 2020, summer of 2020.
1: Okay. So, wow. Right in the middle of COVID, yeah. too. Yeah. And there was a tragedy up there uh, shortly after you were there, but uh, could you explain a little bit to our listening audience what happened up in Marion?
2: Yeah, so right after my summer there, um, right, Father Christopher Roberts uh, died. The pastor there, he died in a just very sudden accident. That so. was
1: horrible. He was a great priest mm-hmm. and did a lot of great programs. I'm sure you helped him out with some of those programs, maybe some of his YouTubes that were mm-hmm. on the air at the time. Who is your favorite priest? Um, not favorite priest. I, I can't ask that. That would be horrible, uh,
2: because they're all our favorite priests. But who yeah. is your favorite saint? My favorite saint is Saint John the Evangelist. Is the one I chose for my confirmation saint. And why is that? So I always really admired the. I mean, his the depths of his intimacy with the Lord. It was very clear they had a very kind of very close relationship, and a relationship that motivated. A considerable amount of, of heroism from from John, in the sense that he was, even though he was the youngest, um, he was the only one to stay with the Lord during his crucifixion. And I was really mother, admired
1: that his mm-hmm. mother, right? You know, he, his mother was entrusted to him. Yeah, is the popular way of of uh, understanding that, and he was deemed the author of the last book of the Bible too which mm-hmm. is very mystical in a lot of ways right
2: yes that's right
1: but your your favorite book of the Bible and favorite Bible
2: verse from St John is what the the first chapter of John's gospel which, especially the the prologue
1: and why is that that is something that some people skip over
2: yeah i i i mean i just i, I love the just the, the the depth of theology that's going on there. Um, in the beginning was the word, and and philosophy too. You know, there's I I haven't seen much of the Chosen series, but in, in one episode that I happened to see, there's a there's a scene where Jesus is talking with John. I thought it was really clever how they did this, and um, John is is mentioning about this kind of Greek philosophy that he's reading and how they they taught they have this concept of the word like this this. The principle that's existed from all time, and Jesus kind of stops and looks at him and says, yep, yeah, you know, I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> I might uh, use that." Yeah, that's interesting.
1: So the Word was made flesh and mm-hmm. dwelt among us. That is a, a philosophical way of looking at things, uh, and it's uh, something that you picked up with your philosophy background, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What is your favorite philosophy? Who is your
2: favorite philosopher? Uh, my um, My favorite philosopher, I mean, it would definitely be St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, Yeah, I think he, (laughs) yeah, he uh, is an incredibly, incredibly intelligent saint. and, And just the way that he thinks is, I find very helpful. He's very good at just kind of breaking stuff down and categorizing everything well and he can argue both sides of the equation right
1: yeah exactly it's sometimes so convincingly that you almost go with the wrong
2: side <laughs> but he
1: has to unfold it in that way right
2: well, yeah absolutely and that i i'm glad you mentioned that because that also is something that i really admire is that he isn't he isn't afraid of um the opposite opinion or other people's opinions even when they're wrong even when you know they, he disagrees. He doesn't He doesn't just straw man his opponent. He builds up his opponent's argument in the strongest way possible and still managed, manages to show right, why it's wrong, which I think is, there's something very admirable. There's a lot of intellectual virtue in that approach.
1: Sure, sure. Um, now that you're a parish priest at Our Lady of Grace, some people have a hard time and some of the polls bear this out there's a pew poll recently that's been cited a lot about people having a hard time catholics having a hard time believing in the true presence of jesus in the eucharist and uh, i've heard a high percentage but i'm not sure if i give that credibility or not but what what would you say to people that have a hard time believing in the body blood soul and divinity of our lord in the eucharist
0: Hmm.
2: Well, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, that's an interesting question because I think I think most people. that study we're referring to. An interesting thing about the study is, is it also it also indicated that a number, a, a considerable portion of Catholics also didn't know that it was the Church's teaching that it was the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. I've heard that. Yeah. So that. Um, so I think in some ways it's not so much. Believers knowing that truth and having a difficulty with it is so much as actually just not knowing it. But well, that, to, that's a matter of catechesis, then. Mm, that's your job. Right, right, exactly. Oh. Um, if I were to hmm, if I were to say something to somebody who was who did know and was struggling with it, yeah, that's interesting. I think what's, what's coming to my mind right now is, yeah it's always I mean, it, it's a perennial difficulty of, of struggling with the, the hiddenness of God. What's interesting is that we look at the, if we look at the book of Genesis, um, there's Genesis or was it Exodus? It would be Exodus. there's was, there was, there was a moment when <laughs> God is appearing to the Israelites and fire and trumpets and that sort of thing. And, and they get really scared and they back off. And they, they say to Moses, all right, we don't want to deal with this. You go up to the mountain alone and just deal with God by yourself. Right. Um, so what's interesting is that like, it was the people that chose god's hiddenness to deal with god in a more kind of distant way um and then we see what happens right after that is the golden calf incident so yeah right (laughs) um crazy mixed up people
1: yeah so um so what you would say to someone that was having a problem with that is that maybe it's a matter of education rather than disbelief that's what i'm hearing yeah
2: Perhaps a matter of education, and perhaps for somebody who understands but still has struggled with with believing, I would say, um, the there's there's a reason for this hiddenness. You know, the Lord the Lord invites us to seek Him in a deeper way. You know, it's um it's always whenever God seems distant, it's it's an, we ought to t- take that as an invitation to seek Him even deeper. Well. So uh, that would call for a Eucharistic procession, maybe here at your own parish. So.
1: Um, maybe you can have some of those in your near future. Mm-hmm. You, you live in a rectory here? With yes. several other priests, young yes. priests. Do you guys get along?
2: Or have you not even been here long enough to know that? Yeah, well, I, we, we do get along so far. I mean... Um, they haven't short-sheeted you yet? <laughs> no, no. So it's, it's myself, and then Father Clayton, the pastor, and then Father Cody Owens, who's the new chaplain at Gary Catholic um, unfortunately, Father Cody and I just have such different schedules. We don't see each other that often, but, um, oftentimes Monday nights, we try to get dinner together and oftentimes Sunday nights as well. Um, so yeah, we've been getting along just fine. I, yeah. I, I, I was very, I was, I was very happy to find out that I'd be living with Father Clayton and Father Cody. Um, they're two good friends of mine. I, they're two priests that I, invo- I admire very much. Well, nothing but good can come of this. I'm sure. Uh,
1: if a child, uh, expresses a desire for a vocation. Um, your parents did things or didn't do things for you um, mm-hmm. that encouraged that uh, for sure so what what should a parent do uh, if a child thinks he might have a vocation or if they think that he might have a vocation?
2: yeah I so I mean it's definitely something that always um, should be encouraged, and I think I, I definitely would encourage parents to um yeah, if if a child is expressing interest, um, yeah, ask them about it, ask them, ask them why, just kind of like engage the conversation as much as possible. get them talking about it and and why they uh, why they think they might be called to the priesthood or why they're interested because the more the more you get them talking about it, the more that's helping them do the sort of interior processing that they need to do because they're you, you' yeah, you're helping them process everything. Um, so yeah, I mean that's what I would say across the board in terms of what not to do. I'd say like specifically with older kids getting into high school or whatever. Um, probably in because in, in those situations, seminary may may very well be on the near horizon. In those situations, I think what I would what I recommend not to do is is don't just go and tell the entire parish because <laughs> sometimes. Too much pressure. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You guys need some space to be able to discern this well. And and when you tell the entire parish and everybody is like out, you know, buying him a chalice and calling him father, you know that 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 can kind of make things more confusing.
1: Sure. And there's a lot of distractions out there in the world too. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you stay away from the uh, iPods and cell phones and all the the video games and all that? I mean that that has to be a distraction for all young men.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say the, I mean, the, the biggest thing with that is that I, I had good friends. Um, I was, I mean, what, what seems to be the biggest difference between young people who really kind of stay with it when it comes to the faith and those who don't is the kind of people that they, that they spend time with. Um, that's always the biggest factor. I, I had both in high school and all throughout seminary I had a, a very solid community that was very supportive of the faith and so um, yeah just just kept me accountable with all that sure sure
1: um, we are uh, you're in a family of uh, two siblings uh, you're the oldest of three yeah that's uh, right a brother and a sister are either them Uh, in a religious vocation, or are they married, or what's going on with your sibs?
2: No, so neither of them are married. Um, It doesn't, uh, neither of them seem very interested in a religious vocation, Um, but they're, yeah, I I imagine marriage would be what would be on their radar, if anything, but you never know. I mean, it's always, some some vocations can come as a surprise. Sure, it's in God's providence, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to be
1: open to the call. You have to be open to life if you're a married person. Right. There's a lot of things you need to be open to and not, you know, you've got to clear the deck of all the distractions. Um, I I was asking you in the pre-interview if there was any interesting fact about you, Father. Mm -hmm. And I'm saving this to last because (laughs) I'm going to have you demonstrate for us. Uh, Oh, gosh. Nope, you're going to do it. You're on the hook. (laughs) Interesting fact that Father Andrew... Uh, said is that he can't whistle. So, Father, could you give me a whistle, please? (laughs) Oh, gosh, okay. That's horrible. (laughs) Absolutely horrible. (laughs) Okay, we'll never ask you that again. Thank you. (laughs) Well, this is a a priestly vocation story and interview uh, show called Sons of Melchizedek. You are a son of Melchizedek, Father, Mm -hmm. and we... Appreciate your vocation and, and your time spending uh, with us today on this. Uh, God bless you and your vocation. God bless you and your priesthood and uh, your time here at Our Lady of Grace in Noblesville. Thank
0: you, Gordon. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy.
1: You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy.